everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Exploring Antinatalism podcast, a podcast all about the subject of antinatalism created by antinatalists. My name is Amanda Oldfans Sukunik, also known as Forever Wolf Films on YouTube, and today will be our first roundtable discussion episode. And I'm joined by Mark J. Maharaj, Sturban, and our special guest, antinatalist, atheist, and right-to-die activist YouTuber, I Doubt It. Please make sure to subscribe to I Doubt It. Sorry. Uh, I Doubt It, um, also known as Kevin. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, yeah, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your YouTube channel? Hey, yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Um, I started my YouTube channel, I guess, mainly when I first deconverted from theism. So I started to put up a lot of atheism videos and... Um, Basically, it was a therapy channel for me, <laughs> just to kind of talk and you know, commiserate with other folks and and uh, for a couple of years, I guess I had that and I just kind of made different stuff about that specifically. But um, as time went by and life went by and I learned some different things and new things came up and you know how that goes, I uh, decided to start making some videos about the right to die which is something i basically have always been passionate about um but it started to hit home a few years ago when my brother committed suicide and uh decided hey maybe i should be doing this in a little bit more of a <laughs> uh activist way and make some change of some somehow i'm trying <laughs> and that's about it i don't know yeah your, your videos are incredibly beautiful. Um, they're incredibly beautifully produced, um, and they're just extremely moving. I mean, um, what subject, um, you, you know, you're tackling for that particular video. Um, before we go on, briefly, uh, some other people here with us today. I apologize. I didn't announce you guys beforehand. Um, we also have Sturban with us today. Sturban, if you'd like to hello, say hello. Hello, yes, I'm Sturban. It's nice to meet you, Kevin. Nice to meet you, too. Also with us today, we have Mark J. Maharaj. Mark, do you hello, want to say everyone. hello? I'm glad to be here. Hello. <laughs> okay, wonderful. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, you started making videos when you deconverted from Christianity. Again, I think like the, your videos have almost like a, um, uh, a nostalgic feel to me. I, I was saying that in one of the uh, on this Discord last week. Um, because there just really aren't that many people that are making atheist content anymore, I feel. Like that used to be such a huge topic it's such an important topic obviously but it used to be such a much much more widely discussed topic on youtube um but it's, it's really wonderful to see you know somebody like you making content about that still um and in and in such a, a striking way um i'm so sorry for the loss of your brother i that those videos were uh, incredibly intense and um i can understand how the topic of the right to die would become even um more of a fervent um you know issue for you after that fact um can you tell me a little bit about when you started to become an antinatalist um it all started with probably a lot of folks i start i ran into in mendham i don't know how um just obvious some youtube suggestion thing on the side <laughs> clicked it and uh i i just kind of got sucked and i think that was the first point where i started to see people to, talking about this subject and making real arguments about, you know, logically why we should choose this. <laughs> um, but I've always known for me, it was kind of 
an always thing, but it wasn't um, philosophically, you know, grounded by anything. It was just a huge aspect of part of my life where my grandma was talking about how she only had my mother to help her out when she's older. And it seemed like kind of a selfish notion to have. <laughs> um, I'm sure she loves my mother and all those great things, but I was like, if that was your main motive to having children, that's um, seems like not the best choice in the world. <laughs> um, so I was, I'd say five years ago, six years ago, maybe I just stumbled on Amendum stuff and then, you know, different, uh, lots of other people too talking about it. So I think that's where it originated for me. Uh, um, sorry, I did. I think I was, I was pretty much okay. done with that part. I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's sim similar stories in some respects to my, to my own. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's so in terms of the right to die, um, what sort of activism have you done um, sort of like outside of the internet and, and, and where plan on, you know, kind of going from, uh, from, from what you do now with your videos? Uh, um, yeah, I've gone to different um, suicide prevention rallies and had conversations with people. Um, I filmed it. But I didn't publish it because I, I, uh, I don't know. I felt weird about it um, because, well, for one, they asked me not to. Like <laughs> at the end of the twenty-minute conversation, they were just like, "Oh, you're recording? Oh, please not. You know, please don't use me." And so I kind of respected that. But anyway, I'm trying to pursue um, just having conversations with the suicide prevention groups and one. A leader of that group in the city I was in and I had like an hour of conversation with her and it was really healthy it was really nice to kind of just point out some of the flaws in her thinking where a lot of it was just so pro-life you know that she couldn't grasp the idea of you know someone actually wanting to just not be around anymore <laughs> um, and that was a huge thing um, and I plan to I'm, I'm, I'm a wedding filmmaker so Videography is kind of my thing anyway, so I'm planning on actually making today's short film. I'm actually halfway done with the script, and I'm really excited about it. I have the actors all. I'm going to start filming in May, so I don't know how long it'll be. Just a short film, but um, I think something like that could be pretty powerful. I mean, these conversations that we all have about philosophy and stuff is great, but... Um, the average person, I think, kind of gets dissuaded a little bit when we start to use the, the fancy language and stuff, you know, <laughs> or if they're just one hour, two hour, you know, conversation, a lot of people don't digest that well or have the time even. So anyway, I like to make uh, appeal to, uh, to the people, you know, kind of as the Christians would say, you know, meet them as they are or where they are, you know, that, that's that cliche. Um, but if you make a three to five to seven minute short film that's kind of emotionally you know um driving people people seem to kind of cling on to that better and not be so uh jaded or defensive or put up their guard um for these arguments that are um very serious you know these things we're talking about are very um uh, can be very de de divisive and or or seem to be so pro in a in such a dark way that people can easily get you know come to that conclusion that we're we're all just you know we all should just kill ourselves or something like that you know <laughs>
um, anyway, that's my current um, activities. Yes. Well, that's incredibly exciting. I can't wait to see that. I mean, and I, you, you are, um, I mean, just speaking uh, to, you know, you and I had a conversation not terribly long ago about that rally or that anti-suicide march that you protested out. And, and that alone, I just think, was so incredibly brave. Like, I don't blame you for not, you know, especially because I asked you not to, uh, for not putting up, up that video. Um, but yeah, I just think like, I can't think of anybody else that's really even done that, like go to a march and, you know, voice in any way, shape or form the opposing side or voice a right to die, um, uh, you know, sentiment at, in that kind of environment. Um, and I can imagine like, I can imagine that being so incredibly difficult to do. Um, you know, to do that effectively and how to do that in a way where people are actually going to, you know, uh, respond to you or, or take it in any kind of, uh, productive way. Um, and I, I really would love to, I mean, I personally would love to try to do that myself or like try to find ways of actually, uh, you know, engaging with the public in that kind of way. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can agree. Like, it's just, it's so terribly sad how little activism there really is for this topic. Um, and that's, that, that stuns me like every day. Um, you know, I, I've had the incredible displeasure recently of witnessing quite a lot of death. And it's like, it, it's just incredible how the blind spot that people have to, um, the need to just let people go when they're ready to go. Uh, um, yeah. And it's a weird wall we have where we feel like we have this huge compassion towards people that are terminally ill with six months to live and we can understand and grasp the logic behind being compassionate to those people and giving them uh, medication that that's this beautiful, you know, painless, dignified way to die. But if you're not six months terminally ill, like somehow there's this disconnect in their brains where like, no, no, you have to stay into them and <laughs> continue to do it. And it is hard to find a way to talk to people about this without it being jarring. Cause yeah, I'm a very non-confrontational person in the event I went to, I, I had a sign, you know, I like your typical crazy protester, you know, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be, but I didn't know how else to, uh, put the message across because these are just people taking walks you know it's just a long walk and they're just there to much just remember their family member friend that died so I it was hard to you know I, there's another one this, this September I'm definitely going to go but I'm going to try to have a more sensitive approach to it because uh you know it it has a tasteless sort of image to it if I'm standing there protesting and, and it's it's obviously not a time for debate uh, it's more of an emotional time for them. So I'm going to, I got to try a new tactic. <laughs> no, but that's great that you're still going, you're, you're trying to mold like how to do it appropriately. And I, I mean, because I think that is a huge question. I would like to do it myself, but I'm, I'm very conscious of the fact that if I were to do such a thing. The very, the very idea that it might look like art <laughs> to be so offensive and would so like just immediately not get through to anybody. And it's so hard to do such a thing without any kind of air of performance or, you know, it, it just in terms of how it would be read, you know, by the other side. Um, but I, I love that. I really do think it's, it's, it's an avenue that needs to be developed. Like, you know, maybe there is some way of like, um, 
you know, setting up a booth or something like that where the opposite side could just have its voice, but in a respectful manner. And it's so sensitive but it's it's so important yeah. i think so on, what you're doing. on, on yeah. suicide prevention um uh the annual suicide prevention day whatever it was uh, i don't know september or something um there was a town meeting in my town my, i went to it at the, the town hall or i don't remember the building but anyway it's a big auditorium full of 500 people and they're all there to you know i'm in there and i feel like the black sheep thinking, Everything they're saying, I, I disagreed with, you know, and I was being respectful, but it was nice that the end of their thing, because it was 99% just someone giving their testimony, how they went through this hard time and now they've fought the good fight. Now they're out of that. And it's all this big praise story about how, you know, you've, you've made it through the battle of life and good for you. And I was like, anyway, amazed. They did hand out pieces of paper and pencils for everybody for a panel. And I wrote down on there something like, um, you know, why is suicide prevention so against um, providing a dignified death and, you know, giving someone voluntary euthanasia if they're suffering? How come they're against that? You know, and uh, nobody had an answer. I filmed that actually, too. I didn't uh, publish it, but uh, uh, that would have been nice to have some sort of environment where people are just in a room talking about it. And you just have someone like us that have an opposing view and we're being respectful and we're not being, you know, I mean, you kind of do have to have some, you know, grace to the subject because most of these people that are talking about this topic, have lost loved ones as have I, but I never bring it up. Like they always, people that have had conversations with me, well, did you have a sister that died or did your mother commit suicide? You know, whatever. And they're talking about their life. And I just changed the subject because I want to focus on the arguments because the sub your subjective experience is kind of irrelevant to these arguments, honestly, as far as being compassionate. You you don't have to have someone close to you die to understand these concepts. I think. No, absolutely. But it, but I understand. I mean, it's so hard to talk past the pain. There's, there's, there's so, um, there seems so often to never be any kind of in any of the arguments, as you said, to take place because there's just so much pain in front of it. Um, and I mean, selfishly, I, I would, I hope you do upload that eventually. It sounds like a, um, it was a, again, a very brave, brave thing that you did to voice it in that kind of context. Um, yeah, I mean, in your opinion, what, what do you think needs to happen to get more people, you know, involved in this subject and the activism of this subject? I mean, I personally do think in some respects, antinatalism is an excellent um next step in having this conversation because once there's some acceptance of the idea that you know it was an imposition to bring somebody here in the first place you know creating the exit door you know the safe exit door um does become a there is a, there is more of an end to that topic do you agree with that at all or and, and what are your thoughts about what needs to happen as far as activism moving forward Man, I don't know. I really don't. I know I'm going to try and make my short film and make it all emotional and whatnot. And it's people cling to that really well. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with you there. It's there's the dilemma and maybe, maybe making that point, you know, it's coming into existence is different than remaining into existence and making sure that we're clear on, you know, 
those two points you know these do you are these they are hand in hand but yeah the two the two different things are kind of like well now that we're here we're thrown here what do we do with this and we're sort of imprisoned to remain here and even if we're really unhappy um with family and community and conditions that we're born into which we never chose what do we do with it you know it's like a double-edged sword from the (laughs) to so to impose that life is the same as imposing death because we're here and now we have to figure out a way to avoid all these bullets that are coming at us you know the the crazy drunk drivers like any day you know the that's an anxiety for me you know like what what when's that day gonna happen and you know because we know it happens all the time and we just don't know if we're gonna be the unfortunate one that gets to draw draw that short stick yeah. and you know, there's a, there's a lot of anxiety attached to that. But as far as what to do, I don't know. I'm just doing my emotional thing because I'll be honest, I'm not a debater. I'm not a big. I love philosophy, but I don't I don't talk well. You know, I don't I don't use all the fancy. Well, I I think you talk better than um, you give so yourself I, credit for. But but I I do I do understand what you're saying. I mean, because I'm not really a debater either. Um, but these, you know, this topic is so important, and it is so um, it is so sad how how, how often I feel like it just gets, you know, um, even for the elderly, even for people that are, you know, at that point where most people would find it to be acceptable, you know, to end those lives. I mean, again, I just went through with my grandmother. I mean, hospice is great. You know, palliative care is great in the sense that it's something at least, but you know, you, you're just reduced to having to play like a bizarre medical experiment with like a, person that doesn't want to be there anymore and it's just a bizarre position to have to be in and um you know i don't really know if there's a way of making it uh hip and cool for the kids so to speak um but that's probably what it means and i I do think that approaches like what you're taking like with making a short film um i think that probably is the way like much like with antinatalism so much rests on the shoulders of art because it's like the only way that people will accept having this conversation. But there is a lot of danger there. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be continually and solely voiced in the form of, um, you know, of something that people can be emotional with and laugh at or, you know, be frivolous with. It's, um, it's just such a difficult subject to get people to take seriously. It is, seriously. and I agree. Like, romanticize the the notion of dying is in a film is is kind of takes away from the actual arguments unless you you'll understand them from from the beginning i just saw a movie recently actually the whole ending was about um person taking their lives i forgot what it was but it's a popular movie you know and you watch it and you're kind of you know but it's um my goal is to have my mine's written in a way that it's the, the arguments are being said and, and it's not just romanticized because that can be kind of an ugly thing where um, people see it and they're just like, Oh, too bad for them. That was, must've been rough, but now they're, now they're no longer in pain. And you're like, kind of like, well, what, you know, kind of is the question of why did the existence of the pain begin in the first place? What, what val- what redeeming value was that? You know, a lot of times, never, you know, people die suffering and then there's no, nothing good had come out of that. In fact, it's a lot of times it's tarnished. 
because we're not humanely letting people die. We have to watch our grandmothers do, you know, go through all the chronic illness and suffering. And, you know, my dad, he had three strokes and I had to watch him mentally be like a different person. And it was just so horrific. And it's, we're allowing this water. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. know one big, one big argument and reason to me is that religion has imposed these laws based on their dogma you know, that tells them that life is good. And because it came from God, you know, to say that is a huge sin. And that's, I think, a big barrier that we have to somehow figure a way to get across to. Yes, I agree completely. I mean, and certainly that barrier has been, is it is being chipped away at. I mean, we do, we do live, you know, in a, it is a different circumstance than it was, you know, even five years ago, I, I think in, in terms of, but still, I mean, it's, it's still, it's still a, it's still a massive barrier. Um, but yeah, I, I think you, you know, I didn't, I just want to say, I, 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 uh, I think you are doing the right thing by, by, um, by playing the game of art, you know, essentially with all these topics. I, I think, I think, I think it is still really important. So you, uh, I definitely hope that you put it into festivals and everything. And I think it's a wonderful way to, uh, people. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate idea. it. Cause I, I definitely was influenced by your F list movie. I mean, that was, oh, thank you. <laughs> that was amazing. I mean, it really thank you. It, it's home, you know, like, you know, a few minutes of that is, is worth to some people hours and hours of watching debates or whatnot, because it's like, visually you get it and you're listening and I, well, anyway i i appreciate what you did for oh thank you so much too. yeah no i think what would be like the most ideal situation is like we you know we create these pieces of art around these topics like you know because it is it is the way of making these impalatable topics palatable for you know a general audience um but the other side of it has to get stronger like the other you know i, I always say with antinatalism like it's you know in we don't have that silver bullet, you know, approach that Emendum is always talking about as far as how to make people understand. So it, what I always say is it needs to be this big medley of approaches. Um, and it, I think it's great that like with what you're doing, with what I'm doing, other people are doing, like the whole like, you know, the art approach is definitely getting stronger and we are figuring out how to abbreviate it and make it uh, edible. Um, but we just got to get that other, you know, the debate side, the hard philosophy side. It, it just, we just wish that we could find some way of, you know, working together, um, you know, all these different approaches um, so that once we have people with the edible <laughs> uh, versions of the topics, you know, the people that are going to, uh, and that can be us as well, but I'm just saying, you know, the, the hard part, um, those that can do the hard part of, 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 uh, disseminating the ideas i mean I, that that needs to get stronger definitely um i'm not sure how to do that <laughs> i'm not sure where to go from there <laughs> yeah i don't have the confidence of being a big philosophical debate Nor do guy, I. So like yeah that's, I, that's why i think the emotional like stuff is uh it can just be a stepping stone towards uh studying the ideas and let you know let the people with uh more intellectual prowess uh do do the, do the heavy lifting yeah no but it's an important stepping stone because the you know typically that approach doesn't get anywhere unfortunately it doesn't get that first that first step so yeah well that's 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 i'm i'm so thrilled to hear that you're working on that do you do, may i ask do you have a, a title yet for the no ironically no title yet the whole script's okay. written we've got it planned out we're starting filming in may um and i'm excited it, it's great it's gonna be awesome um 
but ironically, yep, it's the past two weeks or so I've been laughing at myself how I have no title. <laughs> it'll it'll come when it's time. I di- I didn't you know what I didn't have a title for the Ephelus for the longest time, and then all of a sudden it was like, duh, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> well, that's exciting. I can't wait to you know have news of that. Um, would anybody else, Mark St- uh, Sturban, would you guys like to? Um, you guys have any questions? Yeah, I'd like to jump in if you don't mind. Um, Absolutely. I had a question about: Are you associated with any uh, um, organizations that advocate for the right to die um, with legislation and stuff like that? Um, I, no, but I am having conversations where I'm going to actually um, have an interview. It's going to be really cool. I'm going to have an interview video with Derek Humphrey. Um, the final exit um, network, I believe. Uh, sorry, I just it's escaping my brain. Um, but I've communicated with him, and we're planning on having an interview um, where he wrote the the book. Um, oh gosh, why can't I think of a book that he wrote? Um, it's basically the right to die methods for for old people, older people that are in a legal state, and you know legally. But anyway, I'm having an interview with him. Um, so to me, that's my contribution, but I don't, um, as far as legislation and stuff, I don't, uh, I don't go there cause I don't feel like I know enough about what to do and how to, or it's not about knowing. I just don't, um, yeah, I just don't know how to go that route. So I'm kind of just deciding I spoke with Derek and, um, we're going to have an interview, just a sit down interview video, which could be really nice because yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. It's great. And when is that going to happen? Sorry, didn't interrupt. Oh, no worries. We're planning it now. I think it'll be in uh, late April. Excellent. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a busy year for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how about um, you? Do, how about you? Do you, um, are you involved in any of that? or? The, yeah, the so the organization I work for, we had talks with uh, Dine with Dignity Canada. And uh, we helped them whenever they were advocating for things. And uh, in Canada, it's legal. Um, that's relatively new. Uh, and there's been um, a survey that was uh, put out to uh, talk about expanding it to people with mental illness and stuff like that. And I actually wanted to in, in ask you some questions about your position on some of those things, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. That's great. That's that's awesome. I didn't know that about Canada. Good for them. (laughs) So like when you've had these discussions with people, uh, when you went to those rallies, uh, um, what type of objections or criticisms did you face? Um, There was a lot of um, these arguments about um, age being age restrictions. So I would just bring up my, you know, my argument slightly and they would be like, so what if a five-year-old stubs their toe and they scream, I want to die, you're just going to, you know, kill them, <laughs> you know? Um, what is a lot the argument of, when you present it? Um, a lot of times they, they, um, they're baffled. That's the irony is they, they're kind of baffled by like the idea of, you know, any, any 25 year old, if they want to, they, that's up to them. That's their call. And they instantly are, uh, reactive in a sense where they're just like well what if i mean what if well you know what if a billion people do that and i'm always i i think i'm just like well that's 
no big deal because <laughs> there's still 6 billion people and that people that want to live that are living. Um, so it's an, a win-win. Um, I don't know. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sorry. <laughs> so with, like the way that like if we were just, if you were to pres present it to me um, and I never heard it before, how would you formulate that argument? Um, I guess I would say we, we, we all, we're all thrown into this world and we didn't ask for it. And some of us have lived a life that we didn't ask for in a sense that the suffering that was imposed upon us could could be mental, could be physical. It could be nothing. That's another part uh, thing I would, would, I wouldn't bring up right away, but I would bring up that, that you don't have to have a mental disability or a physical disability to understand that life is pretty rough. <laughs> um, so I would, I would leave that part out, but I would just say that, um, that compassion for people that are suffering should be extended beyond people that are only dying in the last days of their life. Kind of keep it short and sweet, okay. I suppose. Yeah. Sterbin, did you have anything you want to bring up? Yeah. Like for, for me, I was wanting like for somebody who had someone that died that that was close to them. Have you particularly met anybody who was who was okay with them dying in this sense? Like, um, for as far as um, right to die goes, um, was they okay with like their um, family member or spouse? Were they like content with them dying as far as suicide goes? Um, not in my experience, it does seem to be, and this is the part where I think we can change the atmosphere and, and, and get rid, you know, remove the taboo to all of this is mm -hmm. that is the natural reaction. Yeah. Is it's like, Oh, someone committed suicide. Oh my gosh, this is such a tragedy, which it is, but it doesn't have to be in a perspective that's like, it is different. Um, it is different, you know, people dying of, natural causes it shouldn't be but it is different when someone commits suicide because he it instantly it instantly entails that someone has chosen to be well chosen i use the word loosely to, to you know not continue which is different than sticking around as as long as you can because people assume that they're disrespecting your family and like that person knows that they're going to hurt their family if they get you know commit suicide and that they will get hurt but um this is a this is an argument i'm trying to um polish up is the the selfish argument where people say it's really selfish to kill yourself and uh that's a really big issue that's something i think we should really be working on to improve um the perception of that because it's not true <laughs> normally people would be um for the suicide prevention, but then I was wondering if there was anybody was more for the um, more for the right to die as far as um, whenever somebody that they know that has committed suicide, they would be more for the right to die movement instead of the suicide prevention movement. If you knew anybody like that. Um, no, I, I ironically am all alone in, in my experiences where I'm the opposite. Like my sister, she, she walks the suicide prevention rallies. Um, 
I've had other people in my life commit suicide. So it's not just my brother, but all those friends that I, we all knew and together, they would all be saying this is selfish or they they're sad of their suffering and stuff. But I, I'm, I'm always baffled at the response to where I'm disagreeing with pretty much everything they're saying, you know, they're like, they could have stuck it out. They should, you know, they, and, and this is a problem psychologically where people think they, they could have done something different to prevent that suicide. You know, they could have called them more, loved them more. Um, and it's a, it's a big weight on someone's shoulders to do that. And I don't think it's um, very good to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it makes me, I'm sorry, sir, but I, I'll go ahead. Oh, no, no, that was okay. It's okay. I'm really sorry for it. No, I just, I just wanted to say that it, you know, really does make me so angry because it's like it, it, these laws against it put everybody in such a horrific situation Um, because you can, you know, I think it is an important thing to bring up. I think it's a great question of like, you know, have you known other people that have been for it? Like there have definitely been people in my life where I'm perfectly, I mean, even though it's horrifically painful, you know, and it's, it's terrible. Like, I am okay with it because I love them because I want them to be, if they want to be free, I understand, you know, but there's no way to not be in a panic about it because you know that you can't provide, you know, you don't live in a world that can provide an easy out. You know that they're going to have to do some sort of horrific thing to themselves. And you also like, there is a terror of like what your responsibility in that situation is like you, you know, because I, 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 I don't know from state to state, but I mean, like you, you certainly can't assist somebody in, do, in doing something like that. You can't even be there for them, you know, in, in, in any kind of real way. Um, yeah. And I just think that is such a tragic part of this is that even, it's so hard to give support because you know you can't actually give the support yeah. that is really needed in that situation. Yeah, and I, I think that's mainly the some of the biggest consequences to prohibition. Just like it was with alcohol or the drug war or whatever. It's like we're prohibiting people to do what they want to do. Obviously, they're going to do it anyway because we see it every day. One million suicides per year happen, um, and that's a tragic number. <laughs> Um, but these are all consequences of prohibition. You know, if, if we legalized it and eliminated the taboo and said, hey, it's okay for, to talk about it and, and not in a way that we're going to throw you in a mental hospital and drug you up. We're going to say it's okay to talk about if you really want to do this. Then there should be, I think, a legal process where, yeah, you have a 60 day grace period or something where you put in the application or whatever and people can come and talk to you about preventing it or uh, a therapist can try to talk you out of it. You know, there's a little period, but at the end of that period, you should still be able to make the call for your own autonomy. <laughs> right. Exactly. How do you feel about people's evaluation of people's pay, uh, pain threshold? Cause you made a video of respecting suicidal thresholds. And I was just curious about exploring that some more. Um, yeah, it was in response to something that someone said about um, in, a, in a, a debate I had actually with three theists, and they talked about 15-year-olds um, that broke, have a broken heart over their boyfriend or girlfriend, and are you going to let them kill themselves because they're heartbroken? Um, 
So it is an interesting uh, argument, um, but in the, in the end, we should, I just think we should still respect, I mean, there could be an age limit, I guess. I'm okay with, you know, up to 18 years old, you're not allowed to just go to the, you know, <laughs> like I might be able to grant that, but I struggle with that. But yeah, um, the fact is there's conditions in everyone's life where they're biologically predisposed to um, have a, not be able to uh, deal with issues um, better than the next person. So like someone can lose a job and be like, okay, whatever, I'm just gonna go look for a job tomorrow, you know. Um, but other people, they lost their job, like that was their threshold for calling it a day and that's it, they, don't, they want out of life and we should respect that. Um, other people can be like, I, I don't have legs, I'm in a wheelchair and I live life just fine, I'm okay with that. But other people could, if they lost both their legs, they would be like, oh my, this is like a horror. I don't, I don't wanna continue life. And um, I think the point of that video is kind of just saying that we should respect everyone's decision on what that, what the amount of pain is to each person because um, pain is pain, but it is subjective in a sense where some pain of a broken heart is way extreme more than another person because they could be like, oh man, I lost that person, that's sad, but I can somehow, I have this mechanism in my brain to continue life and that's fine. <laughs> but the other person, like a girlfriend I had when it was, when we were about 20, she committed suicide because her boyfriend broke up with her. We were friends after we dated, but we were close friends, she dated a guy. The guy died in a motorcycle accident and the next day she kills herself. So um, these thresholds are important to acknowledge, I, I guess is all I'm, I was kind of saying. <laughs> that makes okay. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what can absolutely break one person is no big deal for another person. Um, and so I think it does have to, um, you know, all these hard line objective, like when life is acceptable to be over kind of shit just doesn't really make sense it does have to be based on um you know that that subjective threshold i agree and it i mean it is really difficult because yeah you know they're if you're dealing with a person that's young enough okay maybe they can heal from it but it's that expectation that we have that people are going to be willing to do all this healing and who are they really healing for you know it, it, it's it's it needs to be pointed out <laughs> to more people that this demand that we place on people to recover endlessly um, is not acceptable and it's not realistic. It's not the way life works. At some point, it's, you know, it's too much. Yeah, I can't agree more. I mean, the whole thing about just you, you cross a bridge in your town and there's a, you know, a suicide prevention number right there to call. And if you call, they're going to throw you in a place that's like, medic to, to medicate you and keep you running the game of life when you never obviously wanted it in the first place but um i, I understand i agree yeah it's a, like <laughs> you 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 heal someone of something but you know a year later three years later some new tragic thing is coming down the pipe you know there's this conveyor belt of pain that will never end it just rotates over and over and over yeah yeah, and who was it really a good thing for that they lived those three extra years for the person or for the for the for everyone else that desperately needs to cling to the belief that 
those three years were good and that they were meaningful and that it was worth it to have gone through all that. There's just no sense of um, proportion <laughs> um, there, you know, as far as, uh, yeah. I, and I think part of it, and this is, leads into my next question, is like, how do you, how do you personally, you know, deal with the frustration of the fact that people are so far from getting this, you know, and, and um, you know, for my own my own opinion, I will say, is that, you know, I, I, it is extremely frustrating when people fight against it or when people are so recalcitrant to it. But it, I also do have a, um, I do sympathize uh, with a lot of them at times because I was also at one point sort of one of them in the sense that I just didn't understand. Like nobody had ever made the arguments to me. Nobody had ever had an open conversation about any of this with me. Like I didn't have the vocabulary to express. Um, and I also, even when I did, there was so much fear wrapped around, you know, vocalizing um, a positive view towards ending one's life that, you know, you're just, you know, you, you, you got a gag around your, your mouth. Like you, you just, you, the ability to speak these words is not, is not available. Um, so how do you do with, deal with that frustration? Because in some respects, like you do have to be a, um, you do have to be this this guide for people through this idea, um, and that's that that can be quite difficult. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. It is frustrating. It is very frustrating because I I had a two and a half hour phone conversation with my best friend, who's a, a theist, and he was he went on all these kinds of arguments about how do you know what's like, you know, the uh, talking just anyway, I, I'm hoping to help him out a little bit, but that's just one person. But I think the conversations are happening. Uh, I'm, I'm, it can't be a, at a slower pace, but I think changes are happening with the de death with dignity laws that are happening. What is it like eight states are legal now, it's, which is great. But I mean, the limitations on that are kind of silly, but <laughs> um, that the fact that companies or companies, I don't know groups like compassion with choices or something or compassion and choices. Yeah. Um, they're bringing about the arguments and, and in a very well way. And I wish we could somehow in our, in our own, cause we have kind of our own version of that, which I would say is more graceful or compassionate. Um, I wish we could have some kind of group like that because, um, the frustration on the one in ones is huge because I, uh, I don't, it, it almost is like debating, you know, atheism to a Christian, you kind of, it, it almost feels like you're just never gonna, <laughs> um, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for sure. Um, but I think groups or even podcasts like this, just talking about it, it's, it's, it can be huge. Um, because the perception of something where a group of people are talking about an issue is, does have a, a, a I think more, some power to it behind just one on one person ranting. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm going to, not not truly propose, but I had an I I've been working an idea for like a long time now, and I'd like to open it up to all of you um, to see what you think about it. Um, and and perhaps it is a a bit silly, um, but I've often wondered like whether one way in is um, you know not to sound like a filthy capitalist, but you know I do think that like in countries where it is legal and in um, 
you know, in states where it's legal or it's legal in some form, you know, I really, I sincerely do believe that people who are able to make a plan for the end of their lives, you know, that should be their day, their way. Like it should be a day of, of, if they wish it to be, you know, a day where they can celebrate their lives and they can have the people around them and they can, um, they can say goodbye. And, um, I wonder if, if it might actually be a, a positive thing to sort of make that into sort of like a business. It's like a, like, you know, a, a sort of like a, <laughs> in the vein of like a bridal shower, but like a, or, or like a, a baby shower, but in like a, you know, a sending, sending somebody off kind of way. Um, and I, I think that could kind of be interesting just as like, I don't know. That's such something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, I see that as nothing but a beautiful thing too. Yeah. You have, right? a, I mean, you, you have some planner just planning almost like your birthday party, uh, but it's a death death day party. Yeah. And, and you get together and if there's no taboo behind it, Hey, this is the day I've chosen. Um, and I know it hurts. You know, I know there's going to be pain involved in that, but it's still going to, it could, you could say goodbye to them and physically hug them. Um, you don't have to walk in on them, you know, hanging from a, noose like i mean the differences are, are just night and day uh, yeah complete, yeah complete uh, you know yeah and i could see how a business could um once it's legal i guess they could yeah they could have you know do, do a little business yes yeah, yeah i mean or even just <laughs> or, as, a, or as, a, as a volunteer service even as well like i i think that could change the stigma around it a lot you know you just you you and i don't think it's putting like a um a ridiculous sort of positive spin on it. Like it's, that's really a, would be a wonderful thing, you know, to be able to open up that door for people to say goodbye and for people to not have to die alone in horrific situations. So, yeah. Yeah. And that, that was a big uh, thing for me to watch the movie, the movie or the documentary of uh, uh, what is it? How to die in Oregon or something. I think that that's what it's called. So. Um, and, it, and it was just their family all around their bed and music's playing and they're hugging them and kissing them goodbye. And he just drinks the drink. And it, I mean, like, yeah, it's what a better way to say goodbye instead of it being you're saying goodbye to some dead body in a funeral home that's creeping you out half the time. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, this zombified version of the person that you once knew is kind of is not the funnest sight either, especially if you know how they died, which we know statistically most deaths are ugly and they tarnish your even relationship that you've had for so many decades. All you kind of think about is how they died and it's, it just, it plasters, you know, tattoos just all over everything. Just ugly death, ugly death, ugly death. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Very well said. Yeah, no, it has a way of uh, replacing your memory of who they were. And that's, we don't have to, we shouldn't have to take that. I mean, we should, we should, we should be able to come up with better ways of, um, of dealing with that. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> uh, I was hoping to, uh, I, I, don't, I don't really want to shift it too far away from the right to die, but I was curious about your timeline of, um, throughout all these things that your channel talks about, atheism, veganism, antinatalism, ethelism, and the right to die. Uh, what was the timeline for that? Because uh, I think your first video was your deconstruct, uh, deconversion, right? Yeah, yeah, the timeline, I guess I, 
I made that video, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. Um, I deconverted um, from Christianity about 12-ish years ago. And I'm sad to say that was pretty late in life. <laughs> I was, uh, what, I don't know, 30. And um, it, changed, it changed my whole worldview around completely. Um, you know, you have to change your perspective on this and that, and it's pretty wild. But, um, and then that was a couple of years. And then I, yeah, just kind of the evolution of a, of a person's life. And I kind of started learning about veganism in, in the sense of non-suffering. I always did it as a health thing, at, like from the beginning, because I, I suffered from IBS, like extreme IBS. Um, I was involved in, uh, the punk rock scene in my twenties and a lot of those people are vegan, but those are the arguments of veganism were never talked about. <laughs> it was just cool to be vegan, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I hope that answers your question to some degree. <laughs> and then the antinatalism came after the veganism stuff. Yeah. When I ran into Gary, uh, you know, five or six years ago or seven years ago, maybe, started just watching him and he i think to me yeah he was the first person to, to be pointing out uh all of those arguments of consent and risk and all that and the right to die came about when that's always existed um i've had depression since i was 15 my entire life the black cloud came over my head and has never left <laughs> i've tried medication and therapy and everything you can try and nothing has worked and so i'm kind of from 15, I, I was even like, I was supported that um, when my friend, he was the bass player of my band, he killed himself. And a lot of people that were talking about it were saying he was selfish and stuff because he had a, he had a wife and kid. Um, well, they weren't saying that he's selfish in that regard. They were just saying, but I, anyway, that was always to me like, wait, why, what do you, <laughs> why is it? selfish and why would we not give him some option to want to get out of life and that's always kind of remained with me forever yeah i'm sorry you went through that i'm so sorry thanks yeah it, that was not fun either but i can i can appreciate sort of like it was just sort of the same for me too with finding in mendham's videos specifically because he does tie all of those subjects together in a way that like I had never even begun to think of before. And that, that is a very powerful, um, that was a very powerful way to have it all culminated. Yeah. And I, I know he thinks he doesn't uh, make too many changes in, in the world, but I mean, I wish he would know that he does. I think he, I think he really does. And um uh, I'm just saying I, I, I'm grateful, eternally grateful, you know, and I wish there was some way that uh, he, he, we could all tell him that or whatever. You know, I know some, I know people do, but uh, my appreciation for, for his influence is, is like unending. Yeah. I know exactly how you feel. Well, I, 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 I hope he knows on some level. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you just a, a little bit about, you know, antinatalism um, since that is <laughs> the topic of uh, um, the, well, that is a very large topic in all of our lives and the activism that we do. Where do you, you see sort of the future of antinatalism, you know, going and, and what are your thoughts about how, um, you know, since you've been sort of, you've been involved with this for quite some time. I mean, what, how do you 
feel about how it's evolved over the last um, few years and, and where, where do you see it headed in the future? Um, I, 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 I'm pretty optimistic about it. I, I know it's like a, it's a subject that's just really controversial, controversial and rare. And, and, you know, some people hear about it and be like, what, what do you even talk? What does that even mean? Anti what, you know? <laughs> um, but us talking about it is, is huge. And I think you get, I mean, you can even see it in some movies, right? Like, like you're watching a movie and someone will be talking about antinatalism, but it's under these words of something where they just say like, Oh, I, I don't want to have a kid because blah, blah, blah. But you're kind of like, Oh man, you just missed the mark about, you know, kind of getting that message across. Um, and, Cause a lot of these things we're talking, we do talk about are, are very rare, but I'm pretty optimistic as far as my excitement for it. And if I'm part of it in any way, I'm grateful. Um, but I'm pretty excited about how it could, could be um, more popular and spread. And because ideas spread really quickly, as we know, politically or whatever, you know, it's kind of like a wildfire. And I would hope it could be something like a wildfire where, you know, these arguments where we put out or we say, Hey, you're risking severe suffering on a person. Um, is it okay for you to be the one that's gambling their life like that? Um, makes perfect sense. And I think a lot of people could actually agree upon this philosophy. Um, if it's just, uh, consumed in a, in a, in a way that they are kind of like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Of course. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to create, a new Hitler. I mean, you keep, you keep it kind of simple like that, you know, they would be like, yeah, of course, if I knew, you know, the kid I'm about to have is going to be the next Hitler. Yeah. Nope. I'm good. I'm good to pass that by. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm pretty optimistic about the conversations cause, um, I'm, I'm consumed with them all day. So, I mean, I know they're, it's still not very popular, but I think it has the potential to be very popular. Yes, I do too, and it certainly has uh, it certainly has grown tremendously over. The um, do you expect that antinatalism will continue to be a topic that you deal with in your videos moving forward? Oh yeah, definitely, for sure. I don't know how. I mean, other just just kind of vlogging or ranting or whatever. Um, but I yeah, I'm I'm making one a little montagey thing right now, and excellent. So I'm going to continue doing that but i know i'm not i i just wanted to say that i i thought that your response video to matt dillahanty was like sensational i i i mean certainly a lot of people responded to his horrific mess of a video tight atalism <laughs> and uh, i we, i can obviously honestly say with confidence i think yours was my oh. favorite um it was yeah no it was just it was very impassioned very articulate um and so much. yeah and i think you know especially since you you know you you were, you are somebody that thought highly of him and were familiar with him. Um, you know, his left, just, you know, mental disconnect over the subject, uh, the way that you pointed it out, I think was, was pretty. Yeah. And that's the disappointing part is that's kind of like a wildfire idea that I was just talking about is it's just sad that someone like Matt couldn't have hopped on board to the philosophy, which I think we all agree is solid. Um, but imagine, just imagine if he did, you know, if he grabbed onto it, he put a video up promoting it and, and, and said all the arguments as they are really well, which I'm sure he would. <laughs> um, someone like Matt set um, the road to something like that because he's 
obviously more popular and has a lot of influence. Um, yeah, something like that could be some impetus. Is that the word? Impetus that gets a, the ball rolling in a, in a huge way. Um, so I was just really disappointed that he, he was on the opposite position about that. So I doubt it. You're a musician, and I just want to know if you're um, contributing to any music lately. Uh, heard that you're part of a band with drums. Yeah, I just play drums on a uh, with this these guys that are called Wounds of Existence, and they make great music. And it's all based on ethnicism and antinatalism. Um, and it's fun. Yeah, it's a virtual band. It's there's no real lifeness going on at all. Nice. <laughs> they send me the they, they send me the songs and I play to them. And yes, they're on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I um, also want to uh, ask you questions about veganism because in your atheism, uh, well, the de uh, deconversion video, you talked about how Julia Sweeney uh, and the new atheists uh, contributed to your um, becoming an atheist. Who, uh, who, who was an influence with your veganism? Um, good question. Uh, um, I would say honestly nobody <laughs> um the, i now there's a lot of arguments and people that are, talk about it a lot um but mine has always been personal i honestly don't really haven't had much of an influence of from anybody other than i hate to repeat it but in mendham talks a lot about the suffering aspect of it um and i always kind of thought of the suffering aspect of it um, preventing harm and whatnot, but I never really followed too many vegans or anything about it. I, I hate to give you a bad answer, but <laughs> have you ever done like vegan activism or advocacy? Nope, nope, not at all. Yeah, I, I, uh, not that I'm against it. I just, um, I, I, I did join a, a one group um, in Portland, which was. Uh, I forget their name, but they would go and protest downtown and they would go and see the cattle, uh, the trucks of cattle that were about to be sent to the farms. And it was like the last time, you know, anybody would see them alive kind of a thing. And that was, that was, that was a huge thing for me about six, six or seven years ago. Um, doing that with them and being like, Oh my God, that's like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, fullest philosophy kind of kicked in pretty hard after that because it was like painful to watch. What's your opinion about the overall vegan movement today? Um, um, it seems to be great. I, I honestly, I get a little um, turned off by the the health aspect of it, where people talk a lot about the this is healthy and that's healthy. Um, I don't really get too bogged down in 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 that because I, all i care about is the suffering part um so if people are talking about preventing of suffering and um the, those arguments it's great um but i did get a little bit bored when i'm it's about health because i'm like um yeah we know it's a healthy diet but um i want to i'm kind of interested more in the side of why are we preventing or trying to pursue preventing suffering and it'd be nice to get some vegans more on board with antinatalism because 
I have a lot of, I have some vegan friends that have kids. They have three kids and we know that that causes all kinds of problems <laughs> um, with going against your philosophy because your kids could eat meat forever and they could have kids that eat meat forever. Yeah, when you talk about um, ethylism or antinatalism within your social circle, what kind of um, experience have you had with that? Um, glib mockery, <laughs> basically. Um, no, one's, no one takes it seriously and people are kind of just, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of my friends and family, that they just are like, yeah, I get it. Like suffering's bad. Okay. But why can't you just like enjoy life? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I do enjoy life. I do a lot of fun things and everything, but that doesn't mean that there's serious problems in the world that we have to be discussing and taken seriously. Just to get to know you a little bit more. Um, what are those fun things and hobbies that you're into? Um, I like photography and filmmaking and playing music. Um, and geez, what else? That's a good question. Uh, I like philosophy, of course. <laughs> um, and just being a bum. I like marathoning uh, TV shows where I just sit on the couch for about seven hours. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any particular brand of philosophy that you enjoy? I guess just a lot of the things we're talking about, existential stuff, um, and yeah, cool. obviously antinatalism and ethylism. Okay, I feel like I'm jumping here, mm. but uh, back to the atheism stuff. Um, as I, rem if I can recall correctly, you talked about God's um, hiddenness or absence from your life, and that was a big factor for you. What would uh, what would you say would was the the main um, driving force for leaving uh, religion? Was it was it that in particular or other things? Um, good question. I would say the problem of evil is probably my first one. Of course, being with antinatalism and ethylism and all these things, uh, you uh, you take into account of all the suffering that's happening, how can it be justified? Not to mention the suffering that doesn't have redeeming qualities like when we die from a chronic illness. Um, we obviously know that there's nothing good came out of that. <laughs> um, uh, those are the biggest arguments. I'd say though the problem of, um, of, of uh, hiddenness, yeah, that was, that's a big one because you know, where is he when things like, uh, people wanting to die happen we seem to not have any evidence that he cares or is around so it's either he's unable or unwilling and if either way why should he be worshipped if there was so those are the two big ones eh? i'd say so yeah yeah and it took you a couple of months to go through that grieving process of leaving that religion correct yeah, it was a big emotional thing. Like I'm crying and stuff and I'm taking these like midnight walks, just crying. And <laughs> I remember this Presbyterian church, like it was just a destination where I got to, to walk. You know, I took a long walk every night and I would just hang out at this church, but 
you know, that night was like the, this one night specifically where, you know, I let, let go of God. And it was like, it was weird. It's, it was hard though. It, it I mean, the psychological, like, reformatting you have to do you know when you thought that you believed your whole life um and then now it's not happening this guy's gone this, your little best friend is gone and um you have to re kind of but it wasn't that hard you know <laughs> the the moral aspect was easy i was still me i was still preventing harm as much as i could and i didn't you know all of a sudden become immoral like a lot of theists would you know claim and your friends and family, how did they react when you came out as atheist? Um, surprisingly, like it was amazing. The difference of some people that accepted it and some people that didn't, I had a really hippie tattooed, you know, stoner friend, best friend, um, great, great friend. Um, but he was really tied to God and we talked about God a lot, but, once I told him that I don't believe anymore, he disowned me and we haven't been friends since. And he's like literally the number one person on my list that I thought would have been like, that's cool, dude. I don't care. You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I have some Christian friends that I thought would disown me right away that ended up being like, you know, Hey, I still love you. You know, let's still be friends. I don't care about that. You know, I don't know how much, you know, pro, like evangelizing motives they had behind that, but <laughs> I was very surprised at different reactions from different people. Are you still engaged in the atheist movement? Um, not as much, more about, from, more about antinatalism and ethelism and stuff. It's sort of like a lot of people talk about it's atheism is kind of a little stepping stone where you do, once you realize there is no God, then what, what do you have left? You know, if, if there really is no, you know, guided hand behind all of this, not craziness, then uh, it's sort of up now up to us to be responsible for um, what happens to people and animals and everything else. Cause when you believe God's in control of everything, you just let everything sort of happen and be like, well, that was his purpose. And then you sort of neglect um, important problems in the world but yes it was sort of a stepping stone from atheism to stuff like the right to die or anti-natalism cool was there anything else um anybody wanted to bring up um i i just i guess my final question i mean i get this <laughs> there's certainly a lot of uh places we could go with this but i mean just just because uh you know we haven't really talked very much about ethelism and i know you are an ethelist um in this interview like do you do you in some respects you know think of ethelism as sort of like the final form of the right to die movement i mean because it is that's sort of the way i think about it in, in a lot of respects that you know it, it is making the argument for the life itself to be in in hospice in palliative care um and i sort of wish more people thought of it that way um you know certainly ethelism gets a, a much more negative light than that um but is that is that sort of around the does that have anything to do with the way you you sort of view it 
Oh, hundred percent. Yep. I agree. Totally. Yeah. I think it's, it's basically kind of the, one of the most important parts of, of this whole thing is recognizing like, what are we doing here? What is life doing this carnage that we have happening right before our eyes? <laughs> I mean, just like, you know, animals just tearing each other apart and humans being awful to each other. Um, and it's kind of like what you asked the question, like, yeah, antinatalism is about, uh, seems to be a lot about human production, reproduction. Um, but then it kind of like you're left with, okay, well, what about all the rest of the animals in the world? Um, which take up a huge, a much larger number than humans. So you have to ask the question, why, why, sh like now that humans are intelligent, we should, that kind of intelligence fosters responsibility. So, now that we know what suffering is and, and these animals n know what pain is, but they don't, I don't, they don't, they definitely don't know that they're creating pain. You know, a lion has no idea that it's causing such harm when it's eating an antelope alive or whatever, you know? Um, and these are important issues to recognize and say, well, what do we do with this like whole thing? You know, where does this, where does this race, end where how should it end should it end ethically i think so should it end you know where we have a responsible ethical um method to finding some graceful ending for not only humans but for all animals because let's say we 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 acquire a right to die for humans and that would be great but if we disappear animal evolution is just going to continue it's just going to be you know, how many more years of the continuation of this suffering for animals as well. Um, and so I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think that answered it very well. Um, yeah. And even if, even if evolution didn't continue, they're still in harm's way and as awful as humans are and as much as we have failed the animals and failed in so many ways we do, we are the only thing on this planet that has the potential to do it right. Um, which is horrifying, <laughs> but it is the reality, unfortunately. So yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Well said. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Thanks. Well, I said, I really think that was sort of all I had as far as questions. Mark Sturban, do you, you have anything else you'd like to say? No, oh, I don't have anything else. Okay. Kevin, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about or you'd like to say? Um, I feel I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of like uh, how we want to make sure that we connect to the view or listeners of anti how antinatalism I, I just hope we covered it if you if we if you're satisfied then then I am I just want to make sure we know that we've covered the connection between antinatalism and the right to die um, and how now that we're here what you know what do we do with our what do we do with life did I assume we covered it fairly well I think we did maybe maybe not as explicitly as perhaps you feel we should I mean we could definitely take some more time to, to talk about it um, I mean let's just say this like we are placed into this world without consent um, and consent before we're born is certainly impossible at, to to get um, and that is why you, no one should mess with it <laughs> um, but there are people in this world you know, who are begging for their consent to be honored, 
their wishes to be honored uh, as far as how they'd like to exit this world. Um, and that's a, that's a horrifying situation for humans, all of sentience, to find ourselves in. Um, and so I do feel that um, antinatalism and the right to die are uh, brother-sister subjects. I think they're so important. Dangerous, perhaps, in some respects, to talk next to each other because you know, we, we are, as antinatalists, constantly having to run away from this idea that we are a suicide cult and all of these, you know, negative, uh, you know, connotations that people like to uh, put on us when it's nothing of the sort. It's just um, when you do recognize what life is and how really silly and, and frivolous it is that people get thrown here, um, there needs to be a real understanding, a real compassionate understanding that people should have the ability to exit when they wish. Yo, that's great. I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I couldn't, I, I can't add to that. That's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so yes, I, I, I think, um, I, I hope, my hope, um, my belief, my firm belief uh, is that antinatalism is this 2.0 of so many subjects. I think it is the next step in the conversation about the right to die. I think it is the, con the next step in the conversation about veganism, about atheism. I feel like it is this missing piece to all of those conversations, and it has this potential and power um, to move those older conversations forward in a way that it never has before. Um, so I really am quite delighted that we could come together today um, and try to talk that out. Um, Kevin, I doubt it. I really feel like you in your videos... Uh, show and paint for us a, a really truly inspiring you know portrait of yourself as um you know a man who in some respects has kind of been dismantled by your confrontation with these ideas you know confronting atheism confronting the right to die confronting antinatalism in this very raw yet you know really beautifully uh, produced manner um and i think you are extremely brave uh, and i think that comes through in your videos and really marvelous way um so i'm i'm really quite delighted to see and to hear you know where you plan on taking your work and to see you know uh how that all manifests and uh yeah i just wanted to thank you so much for being here with us today wow i can't believe yeah that that, that was so sweet i can't thank you enough that i really, mean every word absolutely that, that means everything to me i i really appreciate it um because something like um these types of topics and subjects and the such small community that we live in can probably can can get a little demotivating where you kind of feel like oh man how far are we getting you know <laughs> um but i think we are and it just doesn't you never see the outcomes you know the manifestation of what we're doing i think won't come for a while but it doesn't mean you should stop right exactly very well said um Kevin, where can people find you on the internet? Um, would you like to uh, plug some some links, perhaps? Oh, just uh, I doubt it on YouTube. That's E Y E doubt it. That's about it. I, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough, Pac. Thank you so much for being here with us today. <laughs>